What do you think? Should should we we should we continue to call this cinch, or should we call it half a half a cinch? <laughs> we should call it both and just keep going back and forth between the two. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so th- that's how we'll start this one. We'll be like, uh, "Welcome to half a half a cinch." Yeah. And uh, that would that would be twenty five years. The year is nineteen ninety eight. We're all teenagers, uh, still in high school, learning about new music, the music of our era, and that's what we're talking about. We're talking about what are we talking about, Brandon? Uh, refused the shape of punk to come. A chimerical bombination in twelve <laughs> Yeah, yes. it it does have a subtitle. Yeah, uh, the shape of punk to come. It's funny. I was I was talking with a friend about this album just a little while ago, and he said something kind of funny. He's like, you know, you think about it, pretty arrogant title for an album. Yeah. It's a, it's a, <laughs> for one thing, um, it's not punk. Okay, uh, mm-hmm. their song Some of it is a little bit, but most of their songs are like five minutes long. Uh, a hell of a lot of screaming, which yeah. I'd uh, say shape of post punk to come. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe. I was, yeah, I was kind of thinking about that before we started about the title. Um, I had some ideas on it. I don't know if you want to get into it now or do it, it later. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I mean, I I know that it is a reference to something else. Which oh. this this album, there are so many references to other things on this album that it's yeah. it's almost like. A lot of a lot of the ideas for this album aren't necessarily original. They're more it's more like an homage to to what was inspiring them at the time. But yeah, yeah. but it's also it's and um, homage is a good word to to use, Mike, but it, it's really the European state of mind. Like all of them except for like one, right? They're European. So it's like th- that culture grab they keep going back to things that exist and referencing them, you know, and like this total way, like, and I love how they're almost in their infancy, not exposed to everything like culture wise. So it's just stuff that they've like been into recently mm-hmm. and they're yeah. putting, you know, it's very teenage in that way. Um, they are, they are really young when this comes out. right? And dude, yeah. They, but you know, and also, you know, I don't think it's necessarily punk. I agree, but it's so hilarious because this album is, so incredibly influential which it's funny i don't know if they made that that i highly doubt they named it that thinking they were going to do that but no. you know who knows what I, I was just thinking that uh you know the idea of what is punk um they they had so many there's so many big ideas in the album so many just like throw it out there let's do it everything we everything that we're into right now let's put it in there and i think that's what they kind of wanted punk to become or whatever their musical genre wanted to become just you know if you have an idea create just make something new Mm -hmm. that's kind of more where they were going with the title maybe not yeah don't be afraid don't like like break the rules even more musically you know yeah yeah so i mean the it comes it comes from a Ornette Coleman album, uh, jazz legend Ornette Coleman, a 1959 album, I think, called The Shape of Jazz to Come. And they just, you know, they just took that and they insert 
uh you know jazz it's four letters it's uh you know it, it makes it makes more sense i guess than the 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 shape of rock to come or i think they just they really because i think they really thought they were punk <laughs> yeah maybe they did yeah. but it was it was like their it's their ideology it's their like it's their political commentary is what makes them uh maybe what made them feel like punk was the best way to describe like what they were feeling at the time mm-hmm. but yeah i mean it is it is basically just a copy and paste reference to something else um but- have either of you ever heard ornette coleman uh, a little mm-hmm. bit Oh, it's like it's that wild jazz. It's like <laughs> like it's literally that. Like he invented that. Where it's like yeah. let go, let go of any type of formula, formula, idea of key or mm. its timing, and just play whatever <laughs> you want, whenever yeah. you think it needs yeah. to be played. You know, yeah. like and. And uh, quite a few, quite a few jazz references on this album. Like they, yeah. they were definitely uh, really inspired by that genre going into this. And they were kind of collaging music too throughout it, like doing a little bit of that, like cut and pasting things. Like yeah. I love that you, some you guys just said that because there's so much of that on this record, like so many different genres and just hard cuts into the weirdest thing. <laughs> yeah, like, wow. Hard. You got yeah. that whole band to agree with that change. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Well, I so, think it was a, a, a hard album to make yeah. and get people to say yes to certain things. Yes. That's, you know, why it, they called it quits soon after. Yeah. Uh, bullet points. So refused are from uh, Umeo. Umeo, Sweden. I think that's how you pronounce that. I looked it up. Uh, kind of a different spelling. Got together in 1991. Put out their first album in, I think, 94. They were associated with the whole straight edge scene. Um, I, you know, I didn't look up their personal beliefs or, or practices, but I'm assuming that, you know, at least the singer and maybe the guitar player and uh, maybe all of them, like, adhere to the the straight edge um ideology and practice yeah they don't have like the black x's or anything i haven't seen any of that but Mm. they adhere to it but they're not like flashing it you know yeah yeah and also isn't one of them american i don't know i the the names credited on this album are all uh swedish sounding names but that some of them could have been born in America. I don't know. Yeah, I felt like there was one that was American and his like influence of bringing like American music and stuff over to Dennis and the drummer got them all together and got them interested in being in a band, at least from the documentary. But oh, okay, yeah. See, I've never seen the documentary. I I kind of just learned. I I think I I learned about it a while ago, but forgot about it and then relearned it again. Like looking at this band. It it's so good. I there's like spoilers, so I can't really talk about it too much if neither of you have seen it, <laughs> okay. or because there's like the way they end as a band in that. It's so mm-hmm. I don't want to spoil it for you guys. It's so cool. I, I happens. I'm definitely gonna check it out now. Yeah. Okay. I watched a short, uh, like a like a 20 minute YouTube video about some of the documentary. There were snippets in there, and the ending was definitely in there. You get the sense that Dennis, the singer, and uh, the drummer have a lot of control 
in the band. Yeah. But it's that American dude who brought over this, like, these cool music, like, kind of introduced them to, like, this math rock stuff and all this stuff that, that we, the Rocky stuff that's yeah. on the mm-hmm. record, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so th- this is their third. Um, and last, you know, before their, their first breakup, uh, did the, all of the recording in the hometown, 24 track, two inch tape, no pro tools. They, wow. that was, um, in an interview with Dennis, he, he talks about the fact that it was, they, they really, they really did as much like analog as they could. Uh, of course they did do all the editing and soundscape, but, um, but yeah, it, I mean, it, it does have a, a very like warm sound to it, the whole album, uh, because of that. And that uh, might be why there's hard cuts, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, the the album cover is another reference to something else. It's a reference to an album called Teenage Dance Session from 1959 by Dan Terry. Um, It was a commercial failure there was no there's no marketing no advertising for it uh it's kind of a critical failure too a lot of a lot of people in the scene uh were just like they had no they didn't like what they were trying to do with it at all apparently i mean it just wasn't you know they didn't they didn't keep it real or whatever (laughs) (laughs) it was goof rock this isn't punk (laughs) yeah some goof rock uh yeah maybe maybe some people in the in you know what is considered the real punk scene uh didn't like this whole didn't like the title they they kind of maybe took offense to it they're like they're like yeah you know that's not really that's not really the sound of of you know what punk rock what we can cons- the, the punk genre is sounding like. you know you got you know rancid and bad religion and and green day and all these bands that are that are really like the sound of punk right now and you guys are not doing that so i don't know but um but despite that they still decided to go on a us tour uh unfortunately that was completely mismanaged they canceled uh half of it they ended up only playing eight shows in the us most of them tiny venues to very small crowds um and their very last show they played on that tour got shut down by the cops mm-hmm. I mean, we've we've played in basement shows as bands. We've been shut down by the cops, and the worst feeling, I just dude. I just can't yeah, and I just cannot imagine that happening to this this signed band who came all the way across the ocean, you know. And you you think that somebody, a tour manager, somebody would would get some some legal venues here. <laughs> yeah. There's audio of it in the movie, but there's no video, unfortunately, but there's audio of that last show. And they're just kind of, it's just such a bummer. Like I, I remember playing shows and having songs that begin with feedback and being like, and the song's mm-hmm. beginning. And then it's like cop. And you're like the first <laughs> song, the yeah. first song, you know, like heartbreak city. But it's- yeah, for a band like on their level, their third record, like shit, they're in a van and playing, basements it's funny to think about how big these songs are how big they sound being played in such a tiny (laughs) thing yeah uh but this this kind of you know this added on to i guess creative depletion like they just didn't have ideas anymore they had some issues with dennis Uh, i i think he was sort of the 
he was the thorn that mm-hmm. eventually, you know, the guy, the rest of the guys couldn't take anymore. It seems kind of intense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and then just a few months after this record comes out there, they were done, which is, um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just kind of crazy to think that the album that this band will be known for forever was, was just so like short lived in their lives in, in a way that, I mean, but, um, yeah, it was that one. show, man. I mean, it was that <laughs> yeah. last show, and they the cops came, they shut the show down, and they flew back home. Yeah, that was it. said, "Fuck it, we're done." And we're it dead. it just left such a bad taste in their mouths, I guess. So they're like, you know, let's seek seek other things. So let's talk about um, finding out about this album in the first place, because I have a cool story behind it. Uh, what about you guys? I can't really. Oh, I I think Mike, you may have told me about this album i think i okay here's what i think i remember is hearing new noise somewhere and yeah. being like oh what the fuck is that that's amazing snowboard video game or something something and it, wasn't it in a tony hawk video game it was I in a tony like, hawk yeah yeah um but this was later this is maybe like oh three oh four maybe uh-huh. um, and then i think mike you you burned me some stuff mm-hmm. and then i got the cd and i bought the lp later when they got back, when they when they reunited in 2012, is I think they reissued this on record, and I bought it. Yeah, I well, uh, I heard it on Bike Club, man. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah. I, I well, I'm I'm glad that I I could have. I'm glad that I was the uh, I don't know the catalyst <laughs> to. Yeah, it was definitely a burn, definitely a burn CD with Mike's handwriting on it that we heard <laughs> this from first. Uh, so I'm, I'm working at, uh, I'm working at a grocery store and, um, we get, we get a new employee, someone new comes in, uh, she's really cool. And she, she hooks me up with a new guy to get weed from, uh, that she knows about someone. And, and then I, I go over to his place, uh, cool guy, very intense. Him and his girlfriend lived in this apartment. Um, and he's like, I can remember this guy. Yeah, yeah. I won't. I won't say his name, but uh, okay. But uh, I will say that he he loved to be shirtless. I I rarely saw him with a shirt on unless he had to come into the grocery store. But every time I go over to his place, he's he's shirtless, and he's one of these guys that like, you know, he lifted. He you know he did curls and stuff, but he also pounded beers. So he's one of these guys that was like real big arms, real big shoulders, you know, decent pecs, and then a huge beer gut. Which is, yeah. and on the beer gut, like a faded, just, you know, green tattoo of a big cobra on his, on his belly, which <laughs> was really, a, was a standout thing with this guy, but he loved to play music like real loud. And it, it was all, it was always pissing off his girlfriend. It's funny. Every time I seemed to go over there, they were like, they were fighting about him, like ter- playing his music too loud. Um, but yeah, one day I go over and he's playing this record and I'm like, yeah, I don't know what the, he's, you ever heard these guys? I'm like, no, nah, I haven't heard. And this is, this is probably Oh three Oh four is like five, six years after the album came out. And, uh, yeah, when he showed it to me, I was like, man, yeah, this is, this is really cool. And I thought it was like a newer album. And when I saw yeah. the, I turn it over and I see the, I see the, you know, release date on, it. I'm like 1998. I'm like, holy shit, this is like six years old. I, like how come I never heard of these guys? He's like, oh, this is the, this is their only album. Like, he at the time he thought it was like their only record, and I'm sure a lot of people probably thought that too. 
The it's other a, records are way different. Yes. Yeah. When you go deeper into it, it's it's yeah. way more hardcore. It's just that stereotypical hardcore. And it's still pretty yeah. good. And then Dennis was in a band first before it with the drummer that was really poppy. Yeah. Oh. Before too. Yeah. Which they, they weren't too bad. They're okay. I haven't listened to all their stuff, but I can't remember the name. Swedish. Yeah. And he I mean he he burned me a copy and then I, you know, I immediately took it and that was that was the story behind that. It just it was just one of those like interesting finds that wasn't like through your typical friend or you know mm-hmm. seeing a video. Well, the album's so strong because there's so many powerful riffs and shit throughout it. It's not just like there's one or two songs on it. Like it's it's about about six to eight of them have pretty memorable moments, you know, yeah. in them, and it, it makes it a pretty strong record all around. And if you've never heard it, shit, you're like, man, what is this? Yeah. I, that's the same feeling I had, and I'm sure Brandon had the hearing it, you know, at bike club, you know, <laughs> like who the fuck is this? I probably had to push eject and like spin it around, you know, so you could <laughs> look at the name. Refused? Who the hell is yeah. that? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I. If anyone is listening to this that that has no idea what that is, Bike Club was just a Friday night drink and play music thing that work out. We were we would work out and listen to Pantera, <laughs> drink a bunch of whiskey, and then listen to other music and get charged up to and, go ride bikes to the bar. Yeah, if you wanted to ride a bike to the bar, you could. Some of yeah. us, yeah. <clears throat> me. Did not uh, really care about that part of yeah. the night. <laughs> Mike, Mike drunk, drove, drove all the time. Just kidding. Uh, I wrote a few times. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Brandon, let's talk about seeing them live when they decided to, to yeah. reunite and uh, and do a whole like little tour. We saw them in Chicago. What was that place called? The Congress Theater. Yeah, nope, they had nope. no, no AC in there. No AC, no air conditioning in there. That's the most memorable part for me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Right when, right when the music started, we were down on the floor and everybody crowded up behind me, and I was immediately like, "Fucking no, too too hot." And went up into the balcony and watched the show from there, which was great. Yeah, Yeah. Congress no longer a place. Uh, It was, I mean, it was falling apart when we went. So I, I'm pretty sure the year that we went and saw them was its final year. I, I saw a couple of shows there. I may have seen the last show that ever happened there, but um, I've opened up for them. Yes. Right? Yeah. And, and what year was this? 14, 15? Yeah, probably right around there. Cause they reunited in 2012 and then they played some festivals and then they wanted to continue as a band. Um, and yeah, they, they did a, like a little tour, but I, I just remember that. I mean, there were so many people there that had been waiting for this, that had been listening to this album like we had forever. And I'm pretty sure they played the entire album. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, I mean, they played some some stuff before that as well. I don't know if they had new music out yet. but I feel, it, like, they did. I feel like they did play some new stuff. They definitely played Rather Be Dead mm-hmm. as well. But they knew they knew that, like, you know, this was this was the album that that made this was the album that allowed them to uh you know be in people's memories and allow them mm-hmm. to reunite at some point and and it be a successful reunion so yeah it's like where the hell were all you people in 1998 <laughs> yeah exactly exactly uh but yeah hell of a show it was so fucking hot we were just we were drenched in sweat i remember we came out of the show 
and we were there, you know, with Brian, and we wanted to go hit up. Uh, uh, Same was know, there too. Yeah, we wanted to go hit up a restaurant, get some get some burgers and some drinks. And I was like, yeah, let's just let's just go. And Brian was like, we got to go back to my place first. And I like, really do. We really need to backtrack. And he like he he grabbed his T-shirt and he wrung his T-shirt out and just like a bucket of sweat came out of his T-shirt. He's like, yeah, I'm not going to a restaurant in this shirt. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we all changed into shorts and new shirts. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. But um, I was wearing a you're a liar shirt to that show. Oh, cool. And I got so many so many compliments on it. It, it what is that is that a band yeah and they yeah. were still together at that i think were they still together at that point? i can't remember yeah maybe but yeah 14, just maybe just because of just because of the words you're a liar on a t-shirt mm-hmm. it's just just fun fun to have a shirt with that on it but um yeah so i don't know maybe maybe i mean they're still they're still active so you may get a chance to see them someday jr we'll see yeah we'll see we'll see yeah They'll probably but, play a bunch of their new stuff now, though. Yeah, <laughs> um, which I'm not a huge uh, fan of, but that's all right. Moving on. So yeah, <laughs> I listened. I haven't listened to their newest album. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll talk. Good. You'll be all right. We'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about them later. Um, here's here's the personnel. Dennis, man. So, who, what do you think? Hmm. The, how's the last name go? I think it's Likeson. Likeson. Okay. Yeah, he's on the vocals. Um. He's he went on to do like lots of other things. He he's in a band called Invasion, spelled I N V S N, uh, International Noise Conspiracy, and another band that I just learned about recently. And they put out an album earlier this year called Fake Names. Fake Names is kind of a super group. It's a bunch of guys from other bands. Uh, uh someone from Minor Threat is in it. Um, I can't remember anybody else, but uh, and they're not bad and. He kind of he doesn't do the screaming stuff really anymore. He's he is more of a melodic singer in that band. Um, uh, Christopher Steen is the guitar, but maybe he's the American. Could I, be. I don't know, but it's he's credited with guitars, bass, and drums. So they got two guys credited with drums on this album, which which makes me think that it not just a musical collage but like a personnel collage like all these guys were contributing something as long as they could play it and play it well yeah and like does it say in the liner notes which songs they play drums on i no. i didn't see it no because i have a con- i have a theory okay and i'll say it i'll say it when we get to this all right uh cool. C- christopher christopher also directed the documentary and yes. Then, See, I'm telling. I think he's the American. Okay. I really do, but I could be way wrong. He could just have that vibe to him. But there it's was a, one. It's of, Christopher with a K and an F. Yeah, Christopher. He, maybe he had a one parent that was Swedish, and but he was actually. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah. there's something about, and I could tell by the interviews, even you know, because some of them, like you could really tell, they they just spoke Swedish. They didn't, like Dennis didn't care. He's uh. like put subtitles on it. I'm not even gonna try. <laughs> no. Um, John Bronstrom, he's guitar and he does all the synth work. That could and, be him too. And David Sandstrom, he's the other. He's he's credited Brothers. as drums. Uh, no, Bronstrom and Sandstrom. Ambushed <laughs> <laughs> by Sandstrom. Which, which I when I when I first see it, I thought it was Brainstorm and yeah. Sandstorm. So. <laughs> brainstorm and sandstorm there uh david yeah he plays the drums he does the melodica too 
Uh, and he's also credited as guitars. So both these guys credited with guitars and drums. And then those three that I just I just mentioned, uh, Christopher, John, and David, they went on to form a band called Text uh, after this was all over. That's a and, cool name. And anytime, anytime you see that, anytime you see like three of the members or like the entire band like go off and do something without the singer, you know that the singer was he was the problem child because uh, the rest of the guys obviously wanted to keep working together. You know, they didn't have problems with each other at all. No. I'm pretty sure the drummer and Dennis had the a lot of the issues. And like I said, had a lot of control of the band, too. So from what I pulled from the documentary, anyway, yeah. they were kind of the two that were pulling the strings. And they're also the ones not getting along with each other. So mm-hmm. I think uh, the other guys are just pumped to be in a band. Yeah. Uh, then there's another guy named Magnus who it's it's weird on Wikipedia. He is credited as personnel on this album. But if you look at the timeline of members, because they've had some lineup changes, mm-hmm. look at the timeline. Magnus is not in the band when this album comes out. So on, on the liner notes on the album, he is credited as bass and cello. Ba- bass and cello. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. All of them. Actually, all of them come back too. All of them uh, come back except for John. He's the guy that like he claims he got fired and the band says that he left on his own, but it was like, it was right after their first reunion. Um, Yeah. So the album track one worms of the senses faculties of the skull. This is another reference. The title of the song. It's a line in Allen Ginsberg's epic poem. Howl. So, I I did not. I've never read it, but you're gonna we're gonna come across a lot of these references. Like like I said, they 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 pull a lot of uh, things from from other things and uh, that they were inspired by. And, yeah, sometimes maybe sometimes a little a little pretentious. Sometimes kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, at least you know right off the bat this isn't gonna be like a. You push press play on song one and it's <laughs> yeah. you're like it's yeah. some like noise in the street and then some dude being like ah, it's you know saying the howl line yeah yeah but we get yeah we get a little like, what the? yeah we get a little uh <laughs> we open with some with some poetry we open with some beat poetry so yeah. right right off the bat they're like yeah this is not going to be a typical Just, hardcore yeah. album we we really like the jazz now and so can you imagine though, Jesus. like shape of punk of punk to come, and you're like it's punk to come, and you put it on, and it starts with this beat poetry shit. You're like, what is going on? <laughs> it, it quickly gets. Oh yeah, it does. And then there. you're like, whoa, yes, I like this. Uh, maybe they should have called it the shape of punk to jazz. Yeah. <laughs> the shape of punk to jazz too. Um. Yeah, and uh, it's a great opening track. The, this is one where it's a lo- there's a lot of like cool effects going on and some cutting and pacing. Uh, the main riff is so awesome, and I really like the way that the main riff is is there for most of the song, but it, it, it's just kind of there. It, it's there, you know. But they do this thing at the end of the song, or near the end of the song, where they highlight the riff. They do that like build up with that main riff, and you don't even re- you almost think like it's like oh this this riff is awesome I love when this riff kicks in and like actually 
that's the main riff. It's been going for the whole song. It's just now that now they're highlighting it and they're making yeah. it stand out. And it's very cool. There's a, like, also there's the part with the the big metal bang, too. At sometimes the like, Dong. I like the first line. <clears throat> this this is what we're gonna talk about yes. for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I got a it's, bone to pick with capitalism and a few to break. Let's let's sit down and talk about this. Yeah, yeah. It's they come right out and they're like, yes, uh, we're a political band. Uh, yeah, we 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 do not like capitalism. Uh, we do not like, you know, the forces behind it. And um, for the most part, like the lyrics are pretty much like this, either that or they kind of they kind of skew into just like personal, I don't know, personal determination. Things like that. I see mean, that being a part of their inner struggle in the movie, too, because yeah. that's what they're mad. They're uh, they're at the end of the day they're upset about capitalist ideas they're like why isn't there more money put into our tour why aren't we playing to venues where there's no cops shutting us down where the label might have thought they were doing them a favor by putting them out there like that like isn't this what you fucking wanted and then they're all like mad about it and it's like well that takes fucking money guys you know like so you can tell no. the inner struggle especially with some of them and I think that's where there's a little bit of a line in the band too because yeah. Dennis was you know He's against capitalism, quote-unquote. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say that, like, as as a, as far as the lyrics go, like, the lyrics are pretty, like, just kind of standard. Like, his, you know, a lot of the lines and stuff are, are sort of just broad ideas. He doesn't really go into, like, great detail about anything. And I feel like sometimes, sometimes, like, I'm not really into it because the way that he presents the songs as being, like, these are these are deeper ideas they're like deeper ideas than what he's really like saying yeah you know, mm-hmm. i don't know if that makes any sense deeper ideas do your own research yeah basically he's just like he's like oh this song is about how much we hate capitalism and then then he doesn't really like talk about why in the song yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't know but um um but yeah th- i mean the song itself it, it's got a lot of cool change-ups and effects uh, that there's a cool radio, radio slash electronic outro that they do, and that's. I wanted to mention one thing. Yeah. So in the in the liner notes on the record, so "Worms of the Senses" is uh, track zero, and then track one is "Faculties of the Skull," and "Faculties of the Skull" starts when they took the first bus out of Coca-Cola City. Oh, okay. Yeah, there there is a very distinct change when that part happens in the right. song. Yeah, um, there's a, this is the first chance we get to to hear the the bass wah, which comes up a couple times on the album, which you don't really you don't really hear that too much on like metal or punk albums, which is really cool. The bass wah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, liberation frequency is track two. I really like how that it goes from like a lo-fi sound to like when it kicks in. Um, he doesn't yeah, have that lo-fi guitar is amazing on this one. Yeah. And then when the, the course kicks in, it's, it's so cool. Uh, I mean, I think this track is what sold me on. I mean, I love that first track, but when I, when I heard this second one, I was like, okay, I'm like really sold on this album now. Yeah, um, that riff, the hard riff in this song is, whew, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And we um, want the airwaves back to is so memorable. 
Yeah. Like you're saying, his lyrics aren't great, but when he hits them, you're but like, when he when he gets a good line going, yeah, yeah, yeah he gets yeah. a good line. I, I think uh, Paramore actually uh, took that line too and put it in one of their songs. Nice. Mm-hmm. So, did they also say we want everything? What What are the ly- lyrics after that? They're like real simple. Uh, we want the airways we back. Want, we We don't just want um, airtime. We air want time. all the time. Yeah. All the time. All, yeah. yeah, we want all the time, all the time. Okay, yeah. we get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it, I mean, it plays into like the the whole idea of of propaganda being, you know, I mean, the, the radio being like a tool for propaganda. It could be a tool for propaganda, or it can be a tool for for revolution. You know, this the radio has always been there. Yep. So, I, I mean, it's it's a it's a very cool song. Uh, one thing though, I will say, uh, I I don't think. Someone probably should have stepped up and been like, Dennis, I mean, your falsetto is not as good as you think it is. I mean, <laughs> it, I mean, it, it kind of works, you know, he kind of stays in key, but it, yeah. it's just kind of silly sounding sometimes. Um, uh, what? Oh, yeah, but I, I really do like, I do really like the dynamic of when, at the end of the song, when they go back to sort of the that like quiet lo-fi part. He decides to scream the lines instead, and it's such a cool—it's yeah. it's a cool like contrast of screaming, like scream, like aggressive vocals, but like very subtle music going on. Well, and because it's '98, like you can't—you have to give it to him. Like, how influential is that on, like, yeah. band, bands that we love so much later, like Blood Brothers and shit like that? You know, yeah. like these these guys really shaped some some of the punk that came yeah yeah it's like it's like you don't you don't always have to uh scream on the heavy parts you can Mm -hmm. do some really beautiful vocals over heavy parts and you don't always have to sing over the quiet parts try screaming over it 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 could sound cool and that's what he did and why not Mm -hmm. put two minutes of techno in the middle of your song for no (laughs) reason yeah (laughs) um you want to mention there is a bass solo in track two yeah, nice. yeah, it's an early bass solo. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and then uh, the deadly rhythm. You get this little transition of a. Uh, it, it's like the intro to a jazz song. Is the transition going into uh, the next track, the deadly rhythm? Uh, that transition is from a Dizzy Gillespie and Charlie Parker song from somewhere in the fifties, I think. Too. 50, Fifty-two. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a night in Tunisia. Yeah. Um. So again, another another little jazz reference. They're like, man, we were we were definitely spinning some jazz records in the studio. That's uh, the concept, at least. Yeah. Um, Deadly Rhythm's real good. I like I like this the sort of like staccato uh, rhythm of that like intro, and then it, like it kind of builds and builds until it gets into like you know a very steady rhythm. Um, yeah, good song. This one's all all about assembly work. A lot of a lot of references to unions, mm-hmm. orga- organizing, um, yeah. just people being you know given nothing to eat except for just the shit that whatever some corporation wants you to have. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, the chorus guitars so thick. They're so <laughs> big. Yeah, deep sound. It's yeah, it happens a lot on this oh, album. Man, I love it. Uh, and then uh, in the in the middle of it, you got another little jazzy part there. It says mm-hmm. that there, it says that there is another 
they call it a musical quotation by Bo Diddley's I'm a Man, but I, I don't know where that is. I don't know what it is. I couldn't maybe it's just the lyrics. Yeah, maybe just he kind of took some lyrics from it. Uh, and then track four. This is this is where they they finally show show us some like some of their like I guess you know like pop punk side. Uh, they get mm. some they they start to show us some hooks, and that's with the uh, uh, summertime or summer holidays versus punk routine. Um, love this song. Probably it, yeah. it's definitely one of my favorites. It's yeah. it's definitely the hookiest chorus. It, it mm-hmm. one of the best choruses for sure. Yep. Agreed. Um, yeah. When okay, and track five getting a little experimental. They do a little electronic instrumental here. Uh, Bruitist's poem number five. I had to look up what Bruitism is, mm-hmm. and it's like it's like an art form where you use unconventional sounds in music. Like uh, yeah, I I'm I'm guessing maybe they probably did that with the sampling. Yeah, the weird. It does sound weird and off time. It's a sound poem. Yeah, it's, it's almost like you use you use the sound of like someone's heartbeat, you know, an actual like you know, uh, sonogram of a heartbeat as your kick drum, you know, or you know, or you use like use the sound of a, a you know track can lid as your as your snare drum. It, that it's that kind of thing. Like you build your own sound instruments. So like Matmus is a greatest. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. Man, I haven't thought about them in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, it's a cool little it's a cool little break in the you, I mean, we've already had some like little kind of techno interludes or like little snippets. Well, and to me like a lot of my top 5 records have segues like this. Like yeah. just little there's something about a well-rounded album that if yeah. you can fit some good segues on both sides, it yeah. people are very forgiving of it for some reason. As long as those songs hit and are pounding, then you're not doesn't sound like filler, you know? Yeah. Like um because uh, it is kind of in a way. <laughs> there's yeah. Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah. There's some there's some yeah. of that in there. Yeah. Uh, yep. Dillinger's Ireworks. Yeah. yeah. You know, I listened to Option Paralysis the other night. My goodness gracious, I forgot how good that is. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, um, yeah, I'm sure another band probably heavily influenced, you know. Oh yeah, record. for sure, for sure. Uh, now, right here in the middle of the album, we get the most popular song. We get "New Noise," the Tony Hawk song. It's appeared mm-hmm. in appeared in lots of movies. Uh, it's appeared in lots of TV shows. Um, it is it is the song that a lot of people know them by. I I don't think it was ever released as a single, but. You know, it very well could be. It had a music video. No, oh, okay. Um, For twenty minutes, I'm sure spend that. Yeah. Um, opens. It's, it's, a, it's a great song. Great build, a great intro. Like it's a build-up intro, and these guys you know, are masters of the build-up on this. It's, album. it's, yeah. and it, and it sits. It's such a like a Euro techno thing they do here too, where they build it up. They they build up that guitar riff, and right when you think the drop is going to come. They decide to do another. Oh, they they kind of they switch it to techno, and they're like, "Oh, here's another like little build like right before the drop." And it, oh. yeah, it is such a it's such a like a fat boy slim thing that it's like, "Oh, <laughs> where you think the drop's gonna happen?" It's like, "Nope, oh, you gotta wait another ten seconds." Sorry. Uh, it's been the song's been covered by people. Uh, Anthrax covered it. The Used covered it. 
um crazy, crazy town, town. <laughs> crazy town wow really that's it that's impressive honestly for them we all needed to hear crazy towns rendition of <laughs> i think I, like, need to, yeah, I think i need to yeah, hear it <laughs> yeah. no knowing crazy town it's actually probably just their original song sampled yeah. and someone, someone else sings over it <laughs> When they do that, it's like, <laughs> anyway, uh, they, um, this song, man, um, I love, maybe it's from being a wrestling kid and being whatever my, my generation is, but when someone goes, Woo-hoo! in the middle of <laughs> yeah. a heart, in the middle of a hard riff that just yeah. right on beat, Brandon Boyd, Chino Marino, yeah. Whoever it is, when you rip that up, man, just that woo—it's <laughs> it just hits so hard yeah. for me, man. I <laughs> I I mean, I am guilty of doing it myself in yep. one or two songs and bands. It's so good. It's there's no there's no replacement for it. It just hits when it hits. Yeah, yeah. I, that's, I, that riff just kills too. So there's this like little sample in the middle of someone talking and i never knew what it was because it, it's sort of like in the background and there's other noise mm-hmm. going on and i never i could never pick out what it was or i just wasn't listening close enough it's pretty it's underneath it's really far under there and i can't, can't make out the words but i, I know where yeah know what it is yeah it, yeah go ahead tell us what what's I, it from? I don't know what part of the movie it's from but it's from apocalypse when, now it's, it's yeah uh, Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando. Yeah. Yeah. Now, like, okay, listen really closely. It is a line. He's like reading poetry to Martin Sheen's character, and I think it's this line where he says something about like, uh, "We are we're a snail, we're a snail sliding down the edge of a razor," and I think that's the line in there. And uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't even know that until today when I was taking notes for this. Mm-hmm. I was like, whoa. Dude, so ahead of their time. If you tried to even do that now, it would cost you so much money (laughs) for the rights. Like they were like, "Let's do it." What are they gonna do? You know, put it on there. Put it on there. And and it's tape. So I mean, that's intent. That was on tape. So they really had to go record that and like get the video, put a microphone up to the TV, (laughs) and record it. He he has like one of my favorite lines in this song too, where he says, "Uh, uh, what's the line? Uh, Good frames." don't make or good frames don't save bad paintings mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it's like yeah like i said like his lyrics are pretty it's like general in general okay lyrics and then every once in a while he gives me a line that's like yeah that's a good one man that's you're you've been sitting on that one for the for the right time um and then there's like the, the, the like the crowd noise it, like they do the again the build the build up for the outro and then they add in this like sample of all this crowd noise that just kind of like I don't know it, it's it's very good it's almost like they were they were dreaming of a crowd that size uh, mm-hmm. dreaming of dreaming of a crowd that they wouldn't get until mm-hmm. many many years later. <laughs> well, it's kind of like a fuck you to to live a lot of rock bands do bullshit live records where they go in the studio and they put fake crowds. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think, and that's I think right. it was a very much a fuck you to that. Yeah. Like, we'll do it too. What yeah. Do you, I can do? yeah you or can do. because that shit's just all laying around in a studio. 
Yeah. I mean, they had to have that tape that they sampled off of it, right? And they yeah. probably used it on something. And they were like, they really did that? What a bunch of fucking blokes. <laughs> and they're like, well, why don't you guys do it in your own way? You know, I could see that for sure. I don't have yeah. any proof of that. But it does definitely, with this band and everything I took from the movie and from his lyrics, they're definitely tongue-in-cheek and fuck you when they can be. Yeah, it's a, it's a good theory, though. I like that. Um, track seven, refuse party program. This was just a super fast, uh, like this one. just aggressive fucking punk song. It just, a, this is a, a Brandon soundtrack. song. This is a, a Brandon song. To a riot. Yeah. They yeah. do. They do a little poem here. They do a little poem in the beginning here. And then, um, and then, uh, there you go. And, and that's kind of punk. That's probably the most punk song. I'd say it's just very yeah. fucking boom, 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 post hardcore, yeah. post punk, you know, and I, kind of I don't. I don't know if the. I couldn't find whether or not the poem was an original by him, or if it was he was reading someone else's. But uh, there is that the cool line in it where it's uh, uh, capitalism truly is organized crime, and we are all the victims. And mm-hmm. uh, and I. I've Where's quoted... my coffee? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Uh, yeah. And then right after that, he calls up the you know the tour manager is like, hey, can we get a nicer bus? Yeah, can we get a bus in general? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're all we all live it. We, like we have to. It's the it's the it's the society that we live in. But yeah. at the at the same time, we can make the observations that yeah, like it, it doesn't capitalism doesn't really it, it produces it produces more victims than um, you know recipients of the benefits. So. I also don't mind it so much because it's from a different window with them being predominantly Swedish. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah it's who, neat. it's who nice these, to hear. Like, who are these fucking Scandinavian socialists that come over here and talk <laughs> shit about our capitalism? It's, I, the, it's, it's, it's neat to hear as a kid someone be like, yeah, your shit is fucked. And you're like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Okay, I didn't. All right. Jeez. Uh, protest song, 68. That's the next one. Cool drum right. intro. Yeah, so here's my theory. Uh, okay, yeah. So um, I can play this drum beat, but I can only do the with the double kick pedal. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, yeah. I could only find one video online of them playing this song live. Mm-hmm. And the drummer does not go. He goes. Yeah. And I think. The other drummer did play this and played it on a double kick. Oh, okay. Because okay. if you listen to the song, that sounds like a double kick going. It sounds like um, mm-hmm. Herb. Yeah. Primus. It kind of. It also kind of makes me wonder if maybe uh, they decided to do two drum tracks, and mm-hmm. like, and then and then like the way that they both play it, it kind of like happened like that, either either by it accident could've. or on purpose. But yeah. yeah, it is. It's like a triple like it it's it's very cool but the the like little drum intro to the song there's like he's doing that with like the little dinging he's like he's dinging yeah. off the the pole of the hi-hat mm-hmm. and he's and he's doing like the little triples on that too we haven't talked about him enough he is a incredible yeah. yeah 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 the drumming is great i so. think the reason he had so much control in the band was because of his talent to be honest he's fucking amazing He's just very, very good. Very musically, this music IQ is up there too. Yeah, and then there's there's a lot of times too, like the production of the drums. They do different things to make like 
either the kick to sound like way more compressed or or they like on liberation frequency going back there's there's a cool part where like the the snare drums very muted or turned off you know it's all these like little tricks that they're doing and i i like to think that, that was like his input like he's he's like i want the drums to sound like this for this one specific right. part you know uh yeah this is this is cool and it's it's got that very discordant it kicks in and the riff is like real discordant and kind of like uh edgy almost like uncomfortable sounding and then um that yeah i love the way that like the end like like everything is is fading out except the guitar is still playing that one part these it's just these cool like little production tricks all over this album that i mm-hmm. that i i really appreciated hey i have to i have to say i i feel like adam jones is inspired by that yeah yeah because lateralis came out after this and there was those oh. parts where he would play real loud by himself like for long periods of time yeah and i always always thought that he was inspired by it yeah totally I- seems like a band he would know too and none of us know you know and he'd be like oh you got to check this band refused out from sweden yeah none of those normal midwest kids know who the fuck they are and uh this this song because of one of the lyrics the song taught me about a guy named Enrico Malatesta. Yeah, they they reference him. He's an he was an Italian anarchist around World War One time. Um, the little the spoken word lyrics at the beginning of the song too are are taken from Henry Miller's Tropic of, Tropic of Cancer. So another Yeesh, these guys. <laughs> I know, yeah, another another thing where it's just sort of like it's like what what's original and what is uh well, I gotta go to you... fucking college to like your album <laughs> <laughs> sorry just joking no no it's 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 like what i was saying that like so it's like sometimes like referencing referencing other things is kind of cool it's like oh yeah but at the same time it it does it does kind of get a little annoying in the fact that it's, it's like i know you guys could just write your own original shit like you didn't have to take a you didn't have to take a passage out of tropical cancer you could have just wrote your own lyrics there you know yeah no i mean come on <laughs> <laughs> um uh, toward the end of the song yeah. it gets really quiet and he's, he says uh something about these are just words that have all been said a million times before yeah and it's just a song you've all heard it a million times before yeah. and they go back into it they're no uh, Fuck that! Breathe in, create, make more stuff. Get yeah. out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I do like that part. Another, another. Like his his falsetto is not so cheesy in the in this part. It's it actually like works there. But yeah, as soon, and then everything's fading out, and the guitar is just playing, and then the drums come back in, and that's how they end it. Because because like the drums are making this song. That's what it's all about. It's all about that that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, refused or fucking dead. Okay, uh, here we go. Another reference. This refused or fucking dead is a reference to a band uh, called Born Against. A very not not so well known band uh, commercially, but in the hardcore scene, they were known in the late '80s. And the song Born Against had a song called Born Against Our Fucking Dead. And so they were just like, oh, we love this band. So mm-hmm. we're just we're just gonna rip off that song title and make it our own. 
<laughs> but this one has got some of the slickest riffs, guitar yeah, riffs. Yeah, the riffs. Yeah, that's what I wrote. Asterisk, riffs, riffs, riffs. Yeah, the previous song is all about the drums. This one is all about them guitar riffs. Uh, yeah, I got that noisy intro. Uh, another hooky chorus. Like, the, the hook in the chorus is, is, you know, so good. Sticks in my head for a long time. Oh, yeah, this is the one where I was talking about the... The drums have this like the kick drum. They made it so it has this like really thick sound to it. Yeah, a lot of uh, bass wah in this one. Yeah, he well. likes that. He likes that bass wah. The the change up for the ending, like when the 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 ending of the song, you know, was something completely different. This one reminds me a lot of like the opening track because they're they're doing all these yeah. di- doing all these different things. They're doing all they're. They're throwing a lot of like mud at the wall, and it's all sticking. Yeah, that's a really good. That's a really good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, and then the the title track, "Shape of Punk to Come," uh, the, probably the most pop rock song on the whole album. Yeah. You got that. You got that disco beat going. Um. Yes. And I yes. think I think the 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 riff itself is probably the coolest riff on the album, the main riff of this one. Yeah, it's up there. Yeah, um, but yeah, interesting that you know they did. Did they come up with? Did they come up with the title, the concept of, of the album first, and then wrote a song about it, or did they write the song and they're like, oh, this is probably the best title on the album. <laughs> there's no, there's nothing that like really says they had to name the song that. Yeah. So yeah. Knows. Yeah. Uh, or or did they just write the song and they're like, oh, we need a title for this one. And they're like, what are we calling the album? All right. Yeah. Yeah. Just give it that. Yeah. I think that's. Uh, what happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then uh, then the big epic. Uh, not the closer. It's just it's like it is sort of the closer. Whereas like the last song is just sort of like a uh, just a coda, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Panhauser slash. Uh, derive, which is just a uh, another word for derive. Um, big violin intro. Couldn't couldn't find out who played the violin. No, did I anyone? Get, who, you got you I got, got a credit? Yeah, I think it's uh, Tor Torbjorn Nasbum. I think he's from Texas. Sure, <laughs> yeah, that's a very Texan name. Oh. Um, but yeah, the violin is great, man, and the the big drum, epic drums that go along with it. It is, uh, it is very much a going into battle uh, intro yeah. for sure. I think this is my favorite one. Yeah, and and then the song itself is real good, like big heavy riffing. Uh, okay, Tannhauser. Yeah, Tan- that's deep. That's some deep stuff. <laughs> it's it. Yeah, there. I mean, there are, there's several several Wikipedia pages to read through, but uh, the the gist of it is, Tannhauser himself was a German traveling poet who lived in the mid 13th century. Um, a lot of people don't really know about him because I don't know his she kind of obscures like his actual life. And then, of course, uh, Wagner wrote a opera about him. And then there's there's like there's all these other like references uh, to him and and I don't know but it, yeah it gets in deep but again like you said Jr. Um, 
you gotta you gotta go to college, I guess, to get these the references on this album. I don't know. Well, and lucky they were right on the cusp of like fucking digital licensing because there's this like no way they could afford all this shit now. They're trying to put it on the record. Yeah, and apparently there's another there's another musical reference in this song to Stravinsky's "The Rite of Spring." You see what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Stravinsky. That's yeah. gonna cost. That's gonna cost you these days. The der- derive is a is something else it's a it's an unplanned journey through an through a landscape yeah oh nice yeah and it's that's a, yeah yeah I, I saw that too i forgot about that yeah that's what this song is though the song is just an it's just like an exploration of creativity it, like where do we go yeah. from where do we go from here you know we're gonna he's, we're, he's, we're gonna set the city in light to, to do that yeah yeah just get out there and see what happens in the middle of the night and set shit on fire there yeah. there is a there are these two lines that which i think are funny because they kind of contradict each other and i don't know if it was like tongue-in-cheek but i don't know for this guy he he probably probably wrote these two lines thinking that they go really well together and not realizing that when you say we're going to be realistic and demand the impossible Mm-hmm. <laughs> that doesn't really make sense. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, yes, let's be realistic and demand the impossible. It sounds like a joke out of a, a Always Sunny episode, or something. or like Skinner says it, or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, children, <laughs> just be realistic and demand the impossible. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. It, and then the the little the little intro is cool, man. When it like it goes into a cool little acoustic jam at the end there. That, at, that's where the melodica comes in, right? Yeah, the melodica yeah. comes in there, and there's some stand up bass, and uh, yeah, and it, it's very cool. And I kind of wish that it it just ended there, to be honest, because I I mean the last track, uh, it's just not I'm not really a fan of it. Uh, I I mean I I like the guitar. Okay, the last track, the Apollo program was a hoax. First of all, uh, you're you're not just saying the moon landing was a hoax. You're saying the entire Apollo program was. <laughs> okay, that's that's taking the conspiracy theory like way farther. Right. Because uh, we saw because we saw them. <laughs> yeah, we. They like they existed. Yeah, they they weren't. I yeah, I'm pretty sure. And and you're you're gonna tell me that you got like two thousand actors and all of them kept quiet about it. Right. right. Yeah. Um, but the the guitar, uh, the the acoustic guitar is beautiful. I really like the acoustic guitar. I love the stand up bass that goes along with it. It's a really beautiful song, um, but I think his vocals ruin it. I just I don't yeah. think mm. I don't think this was this wasn't his uh, style to do. He feels unprepared, and the last two songs sound like they had tape left, and they were just like let's let's do something creative, and it worked out for one, and the other one it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I I it would. If it was just like a little instrumental track at the end, you know? Yes, I yes. Think, I, and it not like a four-minute song. I think it would have been cool. Just another like little two-minute uh, outro, you know? But um, yeah, I don't know. His I, The lyrics don't really like make it worth it either. Uh, you know, it's just kind of more of what he's been talking about the rest of the album. But mm-hmm. his, 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 just, his vocals just aren't there. Like, I, me as a singer, like... If I was trying to do that and I like listen back to it, I'd be like, nah, it's okay. You don't have to, you don't have to use them. I think it'd be cool. Just music 
by itself. He's just falling asleep and being like, capitalism. Capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the liner notes come with this manifesto. Did you guys read Venice's manifesto? Nope. Oh, jeez, no. Uh, what's that, what do the kids say? Uh, TLDR. Looks really, yeah. yeah. It looks really short. <laughs> uh, the Apollo program was a hoax, or so we say. The biggest lie was market economy that blinded us with the glory of prosperity and freedom. So, okay. As a hoax, it was. <laughs> so not the, not the a story. The story that we could we could all go to the moon. We could all. Yeah, you know, not not yeah. a not a literal hoax. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, the 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 dream, the the inspiration uh, is a hoax. We could all feel that glory. Just work real hard. Yeah, work real hard. So so maybe maybe that line of uh, "be realistic, demand the impossible." Maybe that was a joke. Maybe he was kind of like you know. I think um, if winking. we're realistic and we demand the impossible, we can't be uh, disappointed with the outcome. Yeah, if we are actually being realistic. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I mean, being disappointed is just uh, it's just part of it, man. We just yeah, we just got part of life, man. We just have to live, get, gotta live with disappointment. Yeah. Um. So they put this album out. Uh, they reissued it in 2004, uh, with a lot of altered songs. A lot of the segues were completely different. Um, the song "The Shape of Punk to Come" is like seven minutes long now. They like. They they cut in like a remix that was done with it and, at, and tacked that onto the end of it to make it longer. Uh, never heard it, uh, and it's interesting that those like I listen to this on Spotify and on Spotify it comes with a bunch of live tracks at the end of it, but not the not the altered tracks. Which I thought was yeah. it. I guess you gotta you gotta go buy the reissued if you want to hear. Yeah, those. exactly. They want you to buy mm. it. Uh, and then um yeah. Like we talked about, they they reunited in 2012, some festivals, uh, played Coachella. It's interesting they, that their reunion, their first reunion show was the same as at the drive-ins. Uh, very first reunion show was at the exact same time of the exact same festival. Uh, what was it? Yeah, 2012 it- Coachella. Yeah. Um, and then they they he said Dennis said they're. They weren't planning to continue the band, but uh, obviously, you know, that they were wrong or they they changed their minds because they put out an album in 2015, Freedom, which um, I didn't really like that one so much. But then they put out another one in 2019 called War Party, and I, I actually liked that one. That one was good. And then another EP in 2020, which I did not know existed. I didn't hear that one, so... My big thing for them is, especially why I like this record, is I feel like they were so, like I said earlier, unafraid to put what they liked and what they thought was cool on this record without having a lot of outside influence. And when I listen to them now and their new stuff, they've been tainted by outside influence now. You know what I mean? It doesn't, doesn't have that unapologetic, like, some producer telling you not to do something because it sounds like somebody else or like they had, they didn't care with this one. They'd really just like it. They put what they thought sounded cool in a very, like I said earlier, teenage type of way, like just fuck you. I'm putting it out there. I don't care if it sounds like Nirvana or whoever it sounds (laughs) like, you know? Um, 
but it, and now Dennis and all of them, they sound like they've, they've seen the world now, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, they've just had and, lived in their little hole and made these awesome little pieces of art. So, and, and the fact that they recorded this album in their hometown at a local studio uh, with local guys producing it, it. It's very much like what you're saying, JR. It's yeah. there was, there wasn't, a, I mean, they weren't doing in LA with LA influence or New York or, yeah. or London. It was it was just them. Like, there's so- nothing there's nothing like it, and I think that's why, you know, because a lot of people that would try to have the bravery that some of these songs have on them, like seriously cutting to a techno track in the middle of a song for two minutes, just making you wait for a riff for what yeah. reason, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's just like so many people do that now, you know, it's like, they but keep you on your toes. yeah, I mean, someone had to do it first and they were the mm-hmm. ones, some of the ones that were, were doing some of those things. Mm-hmm. So mixing, so, mixing it in, you know, mixing it in. So in conclusion is, is it a little arrogant? Yeah, maybe a little, yeah. is it, is it punk? Not so much. Does it fucking rip? It absolutely does. I will yeah. keep. I will keep going back to this album. Play this album for your kids. This is yeah. This is an album for kids, and <laughs> yes. they, they need to hear it. Yeah. yeah. If your kid, if your kids are lucky, they'll hear a riff or two off this in their lifetime, whether they want to or not. No. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks for being with us, Brandon. Yeah. And love you. Th- thank you, Jr. Thank and you. Um, yeah, we'll see you next time.